0: This is the first official day of Morningstar Fellowship in Pensburg, and we wanted to take a moment to greet you, to say we love you. We're so glad this is happening in Pennsburg today. We're going to pray for you all right now. Amen. Amen. So everyone, stand Let's in stand our up together. I want everyone to say hello. God bless you. Let's say it. Hello. God bless you. Amen. 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 We're so glad that you're joining us in Pittsburgh. We're going to be with you in the next hour and a half. We're going to come down, fellowship, hang out. We're going to enjoy pizza wings and an eagle's big win today. And so join us. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, quit shaking your head over there. I saw that. (laughs) But uh, really, we're so glad that we're one church, two campuses, and we're joining our hearts together Because I absolutely believe what we've been singing this morning. Uh, When it looks like things couldn't get worse and worse, God has given us a promise. If we'll stay faithful to Him, He is always faithful to us. And for the church of Jesus Christ, our best days are before us, not behind us. And so we're going after the King and His kingdom together. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's pray. We thank You, Lord, for Your presence. We thank You, Lord, for Your great salvation and Your faithfulness. We thank You, Lord Jesus, that You do not change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the day of miracles is not over. The day of salvation isn't over. The day of lives being changed isn't over. The day of healing and transformations and restoration is not over. We are believing together in the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and our soon coming King, that we are declaring the kingdom of God is moving forward and the kingdom of God is pushing back the darkness and the church of Jesus Christ will honor our King well, and you will build your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We believe for growth, increase, and we believe for dramatic move of the Holy Spirit where lives are changed. We ask for your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Is this where I should say something, like right right here? Okay, good. It's good to be with you again. God's good, isn't He? He is. He's faithful. He's good. It's good to see you guys. It's good to be together this morning. What have we been hearing from James, the brother of Jesus, the leader of the church in Jerusalem? What have we been learning over the last weeks together? And James, man, he speaks right to us, right in to real life. And he's been telling us and teaching us lessons about real real life situations, about our walk matching our talk. He's been telling us that, you know, it's everyday obedience that we're to have a Christ-like lifestyle. He's talking about this integrity takes place when our words and our actions match up. And then he says, if you can tame the tongue, you can tame anything. And then he talks to us about, as we talked, I believe, last week, pride and selfishness promote strife and problems. And the answer to strife and problems and pride and selfishness is this thing called humility. Humility. This is kind of real stuff, isn't it? How many can put yourself in some of this right here? And then we look around at what's taking place just right here in America in our culture. And, and, and it breaks your heart. We see chaos, we see anger, we see violence, we see hatred, and we see just people confused. And you look at that, and here's the bottom line answer to that. Not an easy answer to every ramification out there, but the bottom line answer, people are lost spiritually. They don't know why they're on planet Earth. They don't know why they are born. They don't know their purpose because they don't know this great Savior Jesus Christ. And until we understand this, life will never ever make sense. And so James, his words are very relevant to us. They speak to us. And he picks it up right here in chapter four. And so I'm going to ask you, if you have your Bible, you know, use that. Use the notes today. Use the app. But he has another teaching that hits us right between the eyes. It really does. And this is what he's talking about today. Stop judging others and really i want to say it this way because this is what he's saying stop playing god because god is the only one that has the right to judge stop playing god it's god's responsibility we look here in james he's talking about the family the church family he says brothers in the lord and there's a fellowship that takes place morning star Fellowship, And the word fellowship is a Greek word. The New Testament's written in Greek, koinonia. And that's a lot more powerful word than we recognize today in the 21st century. It's a great connecting word, and it's a binding word more than we understand. So we're going to look at this this morning. Why do we judge others? Why we shouldn't judge others? When is it wrong to judge others? And how do we break that habit of judging others. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but uh, how many's ever had that problem before? I'm raising my hand. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, judge others. So let's stand together if you would. And here's the big idea, and there's positive that's going to come out of this. I don't think this is all negative at all. But we're not to judge, talk about, or talk another down, condemn, back by our brother's, in the Lord, we can't play God. That's the big idea today. Tell your neighbor, you can't play God. Some of you have to kind of yell across. We're kind of spaced out. Hey, you can't play God. So let's say it together. Let's believe God's word is just going to speak to us as we're open and receptive this morning. This is my Bible, this is the Word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. When I read and hear the word, faith comes to my spirit. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God and it will change my life. I'll never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And we say that by faith because as we come in here today, and my desire is that I'm changed this morning. You're changed this morning. So let's look at some reasons. One of the reasons that we judge other people is to excuse our own faults. We love to accuse others and excuse ourselves. We love to accuse others and excuse ourselves. So how do we do that? We do that by relabeling our stuff. Yes, relabeling our stuff. We all have some stuff. Say it with me. I've got stuff. Yeah. We say things like this. This is how we relabel it. We relabel it. I'm not a gossip. I'm just sharing a concern. I'm not lazy. I'm just chilled. I'm mellow. I'm not negative. I'm a realist. I'm not unreliable. I'm flexible. See, we excuse our sins by relabeling them. We even you know what? We even use spiritual terminology. I'm not critical. I'm discerning. I'm discerning. I' going to tell you. Being critical is not one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the Apostle Paul teaches us in Romans or 1 Corinthians. You see, we we like to accuse and excuse. Another reason we do this, it appeals to our pride. Proverbs 26.22 tells us, gossip is so tasty, we love to swallow it. So what's the word we're looking for here to describe what we're talking about? And this would be the word. Here it is. Three letters, S. I in sin. Say it with me, sin. Sin. Oh, we like to talk about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but let's talk about our words. Let's talk about something we all deal with, and and James, he really digs into this word because here's what he's calling this. It's called slander, and we all struggle with this. All Christians struggle with this, and it's this self-righteous attitude of putting other people down, being critical, being judgmental. It even talks about talking behind someone's back in a condemning manner, and that's called backbiting. And Jesus, if we look honestly in the Scriptures, probably talked about this and condemned this more than any other sin, and yes, it is in the church. And it sounds somewhat like this. Do you know what Bill Smith is doing? If you're Bill Smith, I'm sorry about that, but do you know what that guy is doing? And I'm just sharing that with you so you could pray about it. So you could pray about it. And if we're not careful, a prayer chain can turn into a gossip grapevine. Very quickly. We often judge other people because that'll make us look better, we think. Remember the old saying, when you point your finger at somebody, you have Three fingers pointing back at you. And the Word of God says, what we sow, we're going to reap. So why I should not judge others? Why I shouldn't judge others? And James gives us three reasons right here. Number one, this is a big one. It's unchristian. It's unchristian. It's not Christ-like. Verse 11. Let's look at James 4.11. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother... Speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. What's he saying here? You look at this. Three times in this passage, he uses this word brother. Brother. Why? We shouldn't judge each other because we're in the same family. We're related now because of Jesus Christ and our acceptance of Him, we're in the family of God. We're in the same family. We've got a big family, amen? Look around, this is a good-looking family. Come on, tell your neighbor, hey, you're good-looking. Come on. We're in the same family. This is God's family. Family. There was a guy who came to his pastor one day, and he said, I only have one talent. And so the pastor asked, what's your talent? And the man said, I have the gift of criticism. And with that, the pastor thought about the story, and he shared the story of Jesus' parable of the man with one talent who went out and buried that one talent. And so Jesus says, "I." so the pastor said, do what Jesus told the man to do. Bury the talent. So if you have the talent of criticism, bury it. Say it with me. Bury it. Do not speak evil, and the word says here, or slander. It's interesting that these two words come from the same root word, slander and devil. Slander and devil. The word devil means slanderer, and the Bible calls Satan the what? One of his names are the accuser of the brethren of Christians in Revelation. The devil is a slanderer. He's a slanderer of you. He's a slanderer of me. He's an accuser of Christians. So what does it exactly mean? His number one job is to go around and put you down. His number one job is to accuse you. His number one job is to malign you. His number one job is to bring accusations against you. His number one job is to attack you and to attack you and to attack you. How many knows what that sounds like and feels like? Yeah, you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Look at yourself now. If you were a real believer, you wouldn't think like that. If you were a real Christian, you wouldn't have said that. If you were a real woman of faith, you wouldn't be crying these tears right now. How many know what I'm talking about? If you really believed, you wouldn't be worried right now. You wouldn't have anxiety right now. You wouldn't be sad right now. If you're a real man of God, you wouldn't worry. Our two campuses going to excel for the kingdom of God? And are they going to do what? Yeah. He's an attacker. He's an accuser. We're most like the devil when we do this to each other when we slander. When we speak falsely against our brothers and sisters in the Lord. When we judge them falsely. The devil comes to you I just want to say this. I could have moved on. I want to say that when he comes to you with those thoughts and those accusations, what you need to say is, you know what, devil? I am not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But I've accepted the one who is worthy. And Jesus Christ lives within me. And I've been bought with his precious blood. I've been grafted and adopted into his family. My father is worthy. And I'm his son, and I'm his daughter. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 You see, Jesus says in John eight forty four, the devil is the father of lies. That's what he knows how to do. So it's unchristian when we judge our church family. It's unloving. It's unloving. Verse eleven again: Who judges speaks against the law. James says it's illegal. It's unloving and it's illegal to do this. Well, what law is James referring to? Go back to James chapter 2. I believe it's verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. What law is he talking about? The royal law. What is the royal law? It's the law of Love. Say it with me, love. That's what he's talking about. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's a whole lot of love, isn't it? Come on. Come on. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the royal law. That's the law of love. Our words are powerful. Power of life and death are in our tongue. Let's speak life, Amen. Amen. It's unjustified. Verse 12. There's one lawgiver who's able to save and destroy. Lawgiver. That title is used six times in the Old Testament, and every time it's for God. One time in the New Testament right here, this is God right here. He's the lawgiver. Only God has the right to judge. It's His job description. He hasn't commissioned you to talk about everybody to everybody. That's not your job to do that. One of our weaknesses as people, how many's noticed as human beings we have some weaknesses? Yeah, we do. We tend to generalize people. They make one mistake, they do something that's foolish. That guy's a fool. Can you believe that? No. He may have done one thing that was foolish, one foolish mistake, but he's not a fool. How many hear me this morning? Yeah. We can react to our weaknesses to what we see in others. What tempts us, what we fear, what we may be involved in, or what we are involved in. And before I move on, I want to make something clear here as I'm talking about judging and we're not to judge. The Scripture does tell us we can judge Several ways, though. I'm going to make this clear before I move on to how we've abused the judgment. Number one, we are to judge. We are to judge ourselves. Number one, first and foremost, judge yourself. Check yourself. Also, even though our culture tells us this isn't the truth, there still are moral absolutes. We're to judge moral absolutes. We're still to judge truth and error. And this is truth. And outside of this is error. How many hear me this morning? We're to judge good and evil. We're to judge godliness and sinfulness. What we stand for. What we stand against. We are to love the sinner and hate the sin. And as First Corinthians 16 tells us, let us do all that we do be done in love. Say it with me. Love love but there's seven times it says don't do this don't do this when is it wrong to judge others well here's i think a no-brainer but we do this when i'm practicing the same sin yeah when i'm doing the very same thing romans chapter 2 we look at the first uh three verses here therefore you are inexcusable O man Whoever you are who judge, for what in whatever you judge, another you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God. The judgment of of God. So, the time when it's wrong to judge other people is when I'm practicing on a regular basis. This is my habit. This is my lifestyle. This is something I continually do. I don't have the right to speak up. I disqualify myself. I lack the personal integrity. I am guilty. Guilty. You remember Jesus' encounter... And the story of the woman at the well. And the woman, excuse me, that's another one. The woman caught in adultery. And the Pharisees caught her. And they brought her to Jesus. And there's so much I could say about this. I don't want to get off, but the Pharisees caught her. How did they catch her in adultery? What were they doing? Anyway, they bring her to Jesus And they throw her down at Jesus' feet as He's teaching and He's ministering. And they begin to say, she's caught in adultery. What does the law say? Not the law of love. Not the royal law. But what does the law say? We should stone her. Let's stone her. Let's stone her. And what did Jesus do? You remember? He kneels down into the sand, into the dirt. And He begins to write. And He begins to write. And it seems like as he began to write, that kind of shut their mouths. And before you know it, they turned and they walked away. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? And many people think, and I think, because we don't know for sure, but I think he began to write down some sins. And I think he began to write some sins that those guys were involved in, in committing. And as they saw themselves there in the sand, Jesus, what did He say? To her, "Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more." Amen." There's some great words right there. You're not under combination. I'm forgiving you, and you're forgiven. Go but we can't leave this out, sin no more." What he means there is, you don't have to live. In the sin that you've been involved in, because my grace is greater than your sin. You don't have to be bound any longer, controlled any longer. You're free. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen? Let's live like we're free. How many people have been set free here today? Let's live free in Jesus' name. Free, not guilty any longer. And it's wrong to judge when it binds me to my own faults, we see in Matthew chapter 7. When it binds me to my faults, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye, brother's eye, brothers, and uh, this is proof right here, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, a series of messages, and it's proof to us when Jesus talks like this, that he has a sense of humor, because Hebrew humor is by exaggeration, and he was exaggerating, what he was saying here is, look at this. Look at this, sawdust in one guy's eye, a log jam, a telephone pole in another guy's eye. He's saying it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man who's trust in his riches and thinks by his riches he's going to get into the kingdom of God. And, and he's using... Uh, humor that they understood is exaggerating, and so you know it's not cracking us up so much. We kind of smile at that, but as he was using this language, really, they were laughing. They were cracking up because yeah, that's true. That makes sense. Wow! Look, look at that. You see, it's humor by exaggeration, and what that tells us: we have to look at ourselves realistically. We are great speck analyzers nitpicking specs when we have a log jam in our own eye says I've got issues and I have issues but I want to point out your issues but my issues may be bigger than your issues but I want to tell you all about your issues when I have issues myself tell your neighbor you've got issues come on that's why we're here today amen come on no perfect people allowed right that's why we're here today that's why we're humbling ourselves and surrendering ourselves to the word of god and it's wrong to judge based on appearance jesus tells us this in john chapter 7 verse 24 do not judge according to appearance but judge with righteous judgment it's wrong to judge others and draw conclusions based on outward appearance. And what we usually do, this is what human beings usually do, they figure this out that within the first 15 seconds, we've judged someone. Their hair, their, their, maybe their face, their clothes, even sometimes the car they drive, but we judge people right away. It says it's unri- unwise, it's not right, it's wrong. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, the prophet Samuel. God says, I'm going to select a new king for Israel, and you're going to be the one to do that. I'm going to speak to you. And he looks here, and he looks here, and he looks here. Finally, he goes to Jesse's house. He looks at all his sons, big, strong, tall sons. And, and God didn't give him the okay. That, oh, no, no, no. And, and here's Samuel the prophet. He looks good. He looks good. He looks good. Finally, he says, do you have any more sons? Yeah, I have one. He's still a teenager. He's not fully grown yet. He's out with the sheep. Bring him in. He's a shepherd. And when he comes in, God speaks to Samuel. And says, this is him. Well, he's still a runt. Oh, he looks nice enough, but he's not full grown. He's not a man yet. And what did God say? Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the... Come on, heart. Say it with me, heart. Yeah, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And then it's wrong to judge when we condemn without hearing all the facts. John chapter 7, verse 51, Nicodemus, an esteemed leader and teacher of the Pharisees. He's the one in John chapter 3 that had questions, sincere questions. Yeah, he had this knowledge, but he recognized in his life there was a disconnect. All these years of teaching, uh, he was revered and esteemed and respected. And had all this knowledge, but he realized there's a disconnect between his heart and God. And God must be more than this. And I'm hungry, and I'm searching. And I've seen some of this Jesus and what he's doing. And I see a hole and a void in my life. And he comes to Jesus at night with sincere questions because he doesn't want to be seen in the daytime. And he says, how? how do you enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, unless you're born again. And he couldn't quite get that. And then he finally understood, yeah, you've had a physical birth, but God wants to give you a spiritual birth that only He can work in your life. And so this is this Nicodemus. I want to ask you right there before I move on. Have you had that spiritual birth? Are you born again where... You invite Christ into your life and say, Jesus, I can't afford to live my way any longer. I need a new life. I need a new heart. I need a new mind. Come into my life. Save me. Make me clean. Forgive me of my sin. And so, this Nicodemus is before the Sanhedrin, and that's all of the leading rabbis and, and the teachers of the law and those that set the rules and the laws and the regulations. And this is what I want to get at, and this is what he, he says. He says, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? It's wrong to judge and condemn someone before we have all the facts. And it was a rhetorical question, and it's, course, No! absolutely not it's wrong to judge and condemn before we hear the facts all the facts if we studied the scriptures this is what the scriptures tell us we could be right about our conclusions about someone but if we don't have all the facts the big picture all the picture We can be wrong. It's tough to be wrong, isn't it? Come on, how many have a hard time being wrong? Yeah, thank you. Got some honest people here today. Have a hard time. That's hard, isn't it? Come on. Yeah, you love Jesus, and he's done a great work in your life. But is it hard to say, honey, I'm wrong? That's hard to say. That's hard to say. It really is. It's, now, that wasn't about anything really going on right now. <laughs> and it's much easier to do that here than it is at home alone. It really is. But it's saying, unless you have all the facts, all the steps, it's like when I was in school with math, and whether it was algebra, I remember a lot of times I ended up with the right answer But the teacher would mark me wrong because my steps weren't all correct and she wanted to see all the steps. Oh, I hated that. I'm right. What do you mean I'm right? This is the right answer. It's like sports. We have the highest score. We win. What do you mean? But I would get it wrong. How many has been there before? You know, they want to see all the steps. Those teachers, they get you every time, don't they? Anyway... (laughs) See, there's always more than one side to the story. There's three sides. There's your side, and you don't see everything, know everything. There's the other person's side. They don't see everything, you know everything. And there's God's side. And he's right, and he's always right, and he sees perfectly. He sees perfectly God who is truth has all the truth. Then it's wrong to judge others spiritually based on external observations. This is close, but it's different. Paul tells us in Colossians 2.16, so let no one judge you in... Now this is what we need to get to right here because this is relevant right here. At first it doesn't sound like it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding festivals or new moon or Sabbath. So the Apostle Paul, he's saying it's wrong to judge... This is something they were dealing with and struggling with. It's wrong to judge... Other spirituality based on externals. It's wrong to judge other spirituality based on externals. Were they keeping the Jewish religious dietary laws? Were they keeping the Jewish religious festivals and observances? See, you can't tell a brother's walk with God based on what they eat or drink. Vegetarian. Or meat eaters. And I imagine we have some vegetarians here today. How many do we have any vegetarians here today? Raise your hand. Look at that. Oh, look at that. How many meat eaters do we have here today? I started to say how okay, how many people like meat and vegetables? How many people don't like vegetables? I knew there's a couple of you out there. Look at that. And so they were debating this because there are those that, I'm not going to eat that meat because in that day, it was a Roman Greek pagan world of false gods, the Roman gods. And the meat before it went to the market was dedicated and sacrificed to the false gods before you got to the market to buy the meat. And some people would say, I'm a follower of Christ. I love God. I'm not going to eat that meat. It's been offered and dedicated to an idol. And then other people would say that love God and follow Christ. Well, God said it's all His. It's all good. He created it. And you know what? He blessed it. And before we eat, we pray, we bless it, we give thanks. Let's eat. I'm a meat eater. (laughs) I like vegetables, vegetables, but they go good with meat. Meat. Yeah. Anyway, so they went back and forth. And what we're looking at here is, because people like to get to the edge sometimes. Can I still call myself a believer and do that? Can I still follow Christ and be involved in this? We like to get to the edge. It's human nature. Can I still be right with God and do this? See, we push the limits and we go to the edge. Paul was saying, you're fighting back and forth. You're judging each other. You're calling one another strong, one another weak. And and he says there's three things that cause conflict. Drink, diet, and days. And so, as I said, all that meat offered to idols, not offered to idols. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to talk about this. It gets tricky because it's so popular today more than ever. My wife's getting nervous. She doesn't know what I'm going to say. Let's talk about alcohol. Alcohol. It gets tricky. What about it? The Bible's very, 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 say with me, very, very, clear about drunkenness. Not to be drunk. Don't look upon the drink when it is strong. And drunkenness, it makes a mockery of you. It's foolishness. When you are drunk, you do some foolish things. How many's done some foolish things before? Come on. And alcohol can cause great damage to your life and to other lives on so many levels. Drunkenness. And the Word of God tells us, do not let anything control your life except one, and His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And and, and alcohol and drugs, what they do, alcohol doesn't just control you, it manipulates you. And so here's what I'm saying where it gets tricky. Because this person says, I'm not going to drink. I can't afford to drink. Uh, I'm addicted to drink, so I'm staying away from alcohol. Then we got another brother. Yeah, we're talking about brothers who say, well, I can have a glass of wine, and I can have a beer, and it's not a problem for me because I am in freedom. Now, how many are still with me here today? Okay, here's where I'm going to go. But for the law of love, the royal law, my brother is more important to me than my freedom. And so because my brother, I don't want to see him stumble and fall and be set back, I love him more, and I love my Jesus more, so I don't have to proclaim my freedom and drink my beer and drink my wine with my brother. I won't want him to be hurt or harmed. It's the royal law that governs my life greater than my personal freedom. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Come on, let's say amen to that this morning. Amen. The royal law, it's greater than greater, greater than my personal freedom. In fact, Jesus really said defilement comes from within. And we've done so well majoring on minors at times. And this is what he's talking about. Let's look at Romans 14, 22. Do we have that one? I think we can bring that up. Um, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but do not despair over doubtful things. And let's go on. For one who believes, he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. I'm not calling you guys weak out there because this guy over here looks pretty strong and only eats his vegetables. I don't think I'm going to mess with him. And so, uh, (laughs) let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. What he's saying is put other people first and honor preferring one another. Amen? I love your brother. I love your brother. I love your brother. And then we see it's wrong when it causes you to speak evil about another Christian. i got to wrap this up real fast. Brothers, do not slander one another. Let me just stop right here. Unfortunately, in the middle of COVID-19, we are even seeing that divide us as the family of God. Say it with me, God forbid. We're not going to let that happen, amen? We're not going to let that happen. You see, do not slander one another. There is a biblical way to confront sin in our brother's lives. We think, oh, can't judge, can't judge, but there's a biblical way to do that. Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron. Matthew 18 says, here's a way you can go to a sinning brother. Why would I do that? If I didn't care about him or love him, I wouldn't talk to him at all. I just keep going my merry way, but because I love him and care about him, I will risk talking to him about what's going on. On in his life. Remember, we're to hate the wrong and love the people. There's too much tearing down taking place. It's easy to criticize, pick apart, to act better than, to act like you don't have any faults, to speak self righteously. The thing is, we need to edify, which means build up one another in this holy faith. So, how do we do that? I think we need to come alongside each other and develop a relationship and come along and say, brother, I care about you. Can I talk to you? I understand what's going on in your life. I've been there. I've done that. God has better for you than this. Stop settling for less than God's best. I want to walk with you. I want to pray with you. I want to see God give you the victory that He has for you in your life. I'm not condemning you. I'm not criticizing you. I just want to love you and walk with you so you can be victorious. You don't have to settle for the place that you're in right now. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Let's be known as encouragers in Jesus' name. And I should add this. Sisters and brothers, allow your sisters and brothers to confront you in love. Allow that to take place. We can't judge others' motives. 1 Corinthians 14, 5, Therefore judge nothing before time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. It's all about motives. That's what he's talking about. Our motives, Paul is saying. He's saying this premature. No one knows what's really in somebody else's heart. Only God does. And when He comes back, He's going to take care of it. We don't know what's really going on. Only God does. So here's the quick ones. How do we break the habit of judging other people? First of all, remember, I'm going to be judged. You're going to be judged by the same standards that we judge others. That's in Matthew chapter 7. What you dish out is going to be dished out to you. What you sow, you're going to reap. We're going to be judged. remember, Each one of us is accountable to God. Each one of us. Romans 14, 12 and 13. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. Now hopefully we have a relationship and I'm your pastor and, and, and there's some accountability, but ultimately in all areas of your life, you're not accountable to me because we're not a cult. I'm not passing out the Kool-Aid here. I don't don't want to know everything going on in your life. I don't need to know. I'm just your pastor. We're not a cult. And, and, you know, I'm accountable to people here, but every little detail of my life. But one day, say with me, one day, we're going to stand before God and our motives are going to be exposed. One day I'm going to stand before God And God is going to ask John Decker about John Decker. God's going to ask me about me. And that's why I'm very careful not to say something about other pastors and other ministries unless they are in error. If they're not preaching Jesus Christ, the only way to God the Father, if they're not preaching there's a heaven and a hell, if they're preaching falsehood and error, I may say something. But when I stand before God, He's not going to ask me about Joel Osteen or T.D. Jakes or Andy Stanley or Stephen Furtick. He's going to ask John Decker about John Decker. And I better have John Decker right. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. And what he's going to do there, he's going to judge honestly and fairly and truthfully and partially because he's the perfect judge. He's God. He's God. And and we're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. And, And that's not whether you get into heaven, not get into heaven. The thing is, you're going to be judged. What did you do with Jesus on planet earth? Did you do what he told you to do? And you say, well, how do I know what he told me to do? Right here. Do this first, and then He's going to give you some specifics. You start just doing this, specifics will come. That's all. That's all we're talking about. What did you do with Jesus? Your motives, what did you do with Jesus? And those that have rejected Christ, they're going to be at the great white throne judgment, and they're going to be judged before the throne in the lake of fire. He's the perfect judge. Nobody's going to go into eternity and saying, not fair, not so. They will know they are guilty, and they will know in their head Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the perfect judge. The perfect judge. Did we obey the Lord? Did we obey the Lord? And then remember God's mercy. Somebody say amen to that. And Here we are. We're right here at the end. James 2.13. Mercy triumphs over judgment. <laughs> Here's the principle. It's greater than criticism. It's the principle of forgiveness. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. Say it with me. Mercy. We can be forgiving because Jesus Christ has forgiven us. Amen? Amen? We can be patient because He's patient with us. We can be merciful because God has been merciful with us. None of us get what we deserve. If that was the case, none of us would be here this morning. Hallelujah. How many glad you're here? I haven't gotten what I deserve, but I'm here. I'm here. Thank God for His grace. Thank God for His mercy. And we look at the cross of Jesus, and there's grace, and there's mercy, and there's forgiveness. But one great key element is this God's judgment. Jesus Christ took your place and my place. He took your sin and my sin. And at the cross, God judged His Son because His Son became sin for us who knew no sin and He judged sin and the penalty of sin was death. But Jesus Christ took our penalty and took our death. And because He took your place and my place, He gave us a pardon. We're here today because we've been pardoned. In Jesus' name. Come on. It's liberating when you realize God has not called us to judge each other, but He's called us just to be accountable to Him. Come on, let's do this. Let's stop judging incorrectly and let's start encouraging one another. One another. Say it with me encourage one another. Let's stand together. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Come on, let's live free. Say it with me, freedom. It's for freedom that he set us free. Come on, we're builders today, amen? We're builders. We're builders. We're building people in Jesus' name. Encouraging people in Jesus name speaking the truth and love in Jesus name It's easy to be a wrecker. It's easy to tear down How many seen those wrecking crews and the skyscrapers? I mean they're just tearing that thing down I don't think they're quite as skilled as the guys that's going to build that building It's easy to tear and it's easy to wreck and it's easy to bring down But God's called us to something better and we're looking around at our world today and it's being torn it's being wrecked and dismantled. But we're the church of Jesus Christ. We're builders. Builders. Tell your neighbor, we're builders. We're builders. We're gonna build people. We're gonna build them up. We're gonna encourage them. You're my brother, you're my sister. If you're here this morning, The Lord's spoken to you and there's some conviction there. Do you know what you do with that? It's not condemnation. Don't walk out of here heavy. Just leave it right here and say, here it is, Jesus. Yeah, I'm guilty of some of these things. I'm going to lay them at your feet. I'm going to ask your forgiveness and I'm going to walk out of here free. How many can relate to that right now and say, I'm laying some of these things down. There's some guilt here on my part. I'm going to be free, free, free. If you're here this morning and... They haven't had that new birth, born again spiritually from above. You're still living life your way, and it's really quite challenging, quite difficult. You don't know what's going on. It starts with Jesus Christ. I'm going to encourage you, ask Christ into your life today. Say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. Going to declare you as my Lord and Savior. And from this day forward, I want to follow you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I need to close, but I just want to just wanna stop right here. If you're there today and you're saying, Yeah, I need Jesus. You're talking to me, that's me. Raise your hand with me right now say yes keep your hand raised thank you anybody else I'm that guy I'm that woman I need Jesus today there's one hand in the back over here over here thank you thank you oh let's give God praise hallelujah amen amen I'm gonna pray after we sing we love to meet you here give you some encouragement give you something to help you start your walk with the Lord let's pray together let's all of us pray that prayer dear heavenly father I thank you for loving me and having a perfect plan. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. And right now, I believe that Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe you took my sin on the cross. I ask you to forgive me, wash away my sin, and give me your brand new life. I ask this in faith, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.